True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal and Renee. And we have a very special guest tonight. We are so excited to announce that Christine Menina is here. You might have heard on our Cheryl McCollum episode that Cheryl said that we had to have her on. And here we are. We're so excited that she agreed to come on. And Christine has been with Indianapolis PD for many years. And she was a homicide detective there. And she had the highest solve rate in the country for murders. So we just couldn't be more pumped to have her on. Christine, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. Am I like an honorary broad? we would be honored (laughs) okay i'm all about this this is cool no thank you so much for having me on thank you so what do you think about the missy beavers case well you know it's interesting because i'm retired from from indianapolis and i'm teaching criminal justice at a high school for juniors and seniors that are um um interested in law enforcement so i got to give a shout out to pike high school in indianapolis to my crew my classes because uh, we actually kind of went over the case today, and um, I'm all about getting different perspectives of people, not necessarily in law enforcement at all. Um, I had them research it, and then I had them write notes, and we kind of talked about it for a couple hours today with both my classes. So, you know, it's one of those things where the ob- like there's obvious things, right? Like, um, you know, you have to look at, you know, my kids and myself, obviously, w- what's up with the husband, what's up with the father-in-law and those types of things. And, and at this point, it sounds like, and you guys probably know a little bit more about the case than I do. Um, I'm looking at several cases right now, and sometimes I get confusified. So if I start off on a tandem, just, and I, this isn't about this case, then just bring me back in. But, um, you know, it's an interesting case. It's a dynamic case with a lot of different avenues um, with it. But I, I think when you look at cool cases, so my perception of cool cases is this. Um, you've got a, you've, a lot of roads have been gone down, right? But there is one that hasn't been gone down. And then that's where you'll find the answers. And so when we were talking about it, you know, I, I can't rule out and I would never rule out. And the police probably haven't ruled out. And of course, they've probably done a phenomenal job um, in this case. It appears that they have, you know, and they say that they've ruled out this person or that person. And, and maybe they've ruled them out. Um, that doesn't mean that they're still not a suspect. Um, you don't know how close they are to something. Um, in, in reference to the people that they were looking at. Um, but in something like this, I think if someone were to ask me what I would do if I went down, um, you know, down, it was in Texas, right? Am I in the right state? Yes. Okay, good. Um, h- how I would go about it and, and what I would do. And I think, you know, for, for me, whenever I would arrive on a crime scene and, and use most of the time, right, like you come over the radio, it comes over the radio as a hot run, a person shot, a person stabbed, whatever. And of course, you know, as a detective, my ears perk up because I'm, I'm wanting to hear if they're going to go 10-0, which is dead, or they're going to, you know, they're going to live. Is it going to be a long night for me? Is it going to be a short night? Because if they live, I don't have to worry about it. If they die, then it's my problem. So um, on the way to the crime scene, right, I'm listening to all the radio traffic and trying to get a feel. So I would, I would drive down there and get a feel of the church. Um, I'm all about getting a sense of what, what am I walking into? And, and, and with cold cases, it's a little bit different, right? Because you can't replicate um, the actual crime scene because I wasn't there. But I think it's really, really important um, that you go down there and you just get a feel of it. And, and I'm real slow and methodical when I get to scenes. I just kind of breathe it in. There's no rush, right? The victim's dead. Nobody's going anywhere. 
um, and you just kind of breathe it in. And so I'd go down there and I'd look at the church. I'd start right at the church um, and just get a feel of what this church looks like. Um, I would walk around it and drive around it like the, the like the driver did um, to, to figure out, you know, we talked about why did he do that? Was he looking for a, a way to get in, you know, a couple hours before he did go in or did he, you know, what entry would she go in so he could go into a different entry? Because she's obviously, you know, not going to go in the entry that she went in, like just get a feel and, and try to get into that role of him. Um, so you almost have to kind of play two roles. You're getting in the role of, of what you think the suspect is going to do and what he did. And then what is the victim doing? So you kind of have to play both roles. So that's what I would, that's how I would start it. And then um, with cold cases and, and we, and I've talked about this with Cheryl and, and I've worked on several, you have to kind of integrate into the community, right? Like I almost go undercover and I would start doing a lot of history and all the people. And the first thing that popped into my head too, kind of reviewing a little bit is look at the people that were coming to class. Who all came to class? What are they about? How did they know the victim? Was it just a teacher? Were they friends? Who are they married to? Who are their boyfriends? And I would do all of that kind of history. Because at the end of the day, I've learned a couple things. One thing is that most of the times these are, these are not difficult. They are more difficult when they're cold, but when this thing gets solved, we're all going to go, oh, of course, right? It's like, it's all, it's been right there. We just haven't <laughs> been able to put it together. Right. Um, and then secondly, a, a thing that I've learned, which is interesting, because I know Cheryl mentioned on the podcast, or you guys did a little bit about, you know, how nobody's, nobody's talked, right? You're in a small community. This horrific thing happened to her, uh, to, a, to a good looking, well-known fit uh, person and nobody's talked. And, and what I've learned in, in doing police work for 25 years is believe it or not, you guys can answer this. What? To get killed because they've given some information. But what do you guys think the number one reason is that people don't talk or give information? Fear. Are they afraid they'll be um, in trouble themselves? Nope. They weren't. They weren't asked. Ah. They were not asked. Okay. Unbelievable. And it took me about three years into homicide when I realized that, you know, I'll, I'll get into the interviews or whatever and, and talk to people. And then, you know, I'll say, well, you know, whatever the question is, they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I knew that. I saw that that night. The hell you didn't tell me that three hours ago. We didn't ask. So I'd start there and I'd start asking. And I think, uh, you know, I would get who, who is the victim's best friend. And I would nab onto her about as quickly as I could. Um, and however you do that, go, go take her out to dinner, go, do whatever and, and bond with her because the way I was able to solve 99% of my homicides and I, and I solved all of them, but one, um, is relationships, right? It's relationships. And for people not to talk, somebody's talked. Okay. Somebody, the killer has said what he has done, because we all know that if I sit there and say, Oh, Crystal Renee, I got to tell you something. Okay. You got to swear to God. You're not going to say anything. You swear, you swear, you swear, you swear. Yeah. Yeah. I swear. And I tell you something crazy, you're going to go and tell Renee, hey, Renee, Manina just said this <laughs> unbelievable thing, but I told her that I, I swore to her that I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody. So you have to swear to me that you won't tell. You see how that goes? It's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you start digging into it enough and you start talking enough to people, you'll start building relationships and something and something will, will break. And so I think it's uh, too much of a coincidence that, that the husband and the father-in-law were both out of town at the time. And, and I'm interested, the thing that's hard when people ask me to look at cold cases is when I don't have the knowledge of what the police have done, 
What have they done? When they said, did they verify the alibi of the husband? How did they do that? Like, because if I go and kill somebody and I tell my mama, you need to tell, you know, you need to tell the police when they come that I was with you. My mom's going to do that probably. Well, maybe not, but probably. Okay. Um, and so how did they verify it? Did they verify it with somebody that just said, yeah, he was here during that time, you know, or was there video of them, have him being wherever he said that he was, you know what I mean? Like, so it's hard to know how you would go forward, not knowing everything that the police have, have done. Did they test DNA on that shirt or did they just go with what the vet said? Yep. He got bit by a dog, you know, how far did they go through with that? And yeah. so once you start getting the answers, let's just say best case scenario, they did everything to a T and they did everything and they ran down everything. And I asked my class today, guys, what would we do? What would we do? And I, I, told, I said, I would take all of you guys down, down to Texas. We'd just get on a bus. I'd put you guys in teams. I'd put three or four of them to follow the husband. I'd put three or four of them to follow the, the father-in-law. And I would get their routines down. And I would know where they eat, where they go, what time they get up, everything. Um, and I would build intelligence on everybody. And then I would start um, getting relationships with them and start learning their, their um, history, start learning where they're going, try to be there at the same place. If the husband goes to that bar on Wednesday night, I'm there buying him a beer. I'm talking to everybody and their brother. That's how I'd go about doing it. Based on, I don't know what the police have done, right? Um, and then just, it, the thing about cold cases is like anything else, it's kind of like a snowball. You make a little snowball, you go back in the house, unless it's snowing, that snowball can get bigger. I go outside and I start moving that snowball, what's gonna happen? It's gonna get bigger and bigger. So cold cases can heat up really, really quickly, but you got to keep them moving. And with a cold case, um, you just keep, you just go down any, any road you can go down. And that I think was the success with me is I didn't care what road I go down any damn road. I don't care. It hasn't, I haven't, I don't have this case solved. I'm going to go down this road. Doesn't work. I just go down another one. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And I would take a group of women with me any day, all day, because women are fantastic investigators. They pay attention to details. And we're just like that. We just got to know, right? And I tell people all the time, women are so good because if your husband or your partner, whoever's cheating on you, we'll climb up a building and hang down backwards. If we can look in that office building and see him cheating on us, we'll do that, right? Those are the people I would pay. That's funny. So that's how I'd go about. Well, I tell you what, I don't mean to rat out NPD right here on the podcast, but I will tell you, they did not speak to Missy's best friend. I actually talked to her some months ago and she actually talked to NPD for the first time. She went barging in there last month and just said, I want to talk to you guys. See, and that's crazy to me because if Renee were to get killed tonight, that's the first person I'm going to, either her husband or her boyfriend. Yeah. But um, that's who I'd go to because the best friends know everything. They know more than the husband. They know more than the boyfriends. The best friends know. Well, and what makes it even crazier is her best friend was also her boss at um, Camp Gladiator and had trained her on how to do that job. Right. So she, she also had intel into how that whole situation works. So right. we were shocked by that. Um, but apparently the husband and the father-in-law were, uh, they were verified through several different avenues. Um, one right. of them, Renee, help me if I'm forgetting anything, but they had uh, flight right. records, they had uh, surveillance camera, they had debit cards. Right. And they had eyewitnesses for both of them that they were where they said they were. Okay. We feel good. Even they tell me they didn't do it, but that doesn't tell me they weren't involved. Okay, gotcha. Right. That's and, and I'm not saying that they are not, but as an investigator. Yeah, you got to keep it open, right? Yeah, absolutely, got to keep an open mind. 
you know, and that's what I was kind of telling my kids today. Like, you got to keep an open mind on this because it's a, it's a cold case, um, you know, and so you don't know. So why not keep it as open and as wide, you know, throw that net about as wide as you can throw it. That's um, true. And it'll get smaller as you keep working it. But the key is to keep working it. Right. And, um, you know, we don't know for a fact that that Nissan Altima is involved. It's never been officially connected, but it just right. looks suspicious, you know, zooming around. It was like two hours before the murder. Right. It was had a corner across the highway, kind of driving around oddly in that parking lot. Well, but, and then right when it goes into the parking lot, it flips its lights off. Right. So initially, I'm thinking, okay, you know, if it's the if it's a possible suspect, could be, might not be, whatever, but odd that he's, you know, it's pouring down rain. He's picking that church parking lot. Right. I feel like that, you know, the vehicle was looking around to figure out maybe where the fitness room was or figure out what entry he was going to go into or she was going to go into. Yeah. Is my first thought right. when I saw that. Yeah, it does look like they, and I think that also we were thinking that perhaps they went to the church and tried to break in and maybe they ran across the street to the gun store where they were first seen on camera to maybe see if the alarm might, maybe there was a silent alarm that was tripped or something. Right. Came. I don't know. That's yep. what kind of we were thinking at first. Right. But um, we don't know. They, they did a lot of pleas in the news asking people to come forward that might've known who that was or if you were driving the Altima. And so far we haven't heard anything. They, police got really tight-lipped a couple years ago and they, they never followed up with us about the ultimate. When I say us, I mean the public. They never followed up with the public. They plead for our help. They put out some pleas, but then they never followed up and said, okay, we've, you know, eliminated that car or we were able to verify who, we don't have any idea. So right, right. we know nothing about that. Or if we, right. we don't even know as the public, if we're supposed to still be helping look for it. Wow. Okay. So I, I think I heard on Cheryl's or, or a recent podcast that the media is not on this anymore. It's kind of died. My question is, and maybe you guys know this, is the husband trying to keep this thing alive? Yes. Renee, you saw him recently. You want to take this one? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, he actually is. He, um, he was very happy to hear that we had uh, put together a GoFundMe to raise money for the billboard. Okay. And we had a billboard put up. Um, and then after that, we all kind of, um, you know, keep in touch and so forth. And then and me and him recently did an interview with Channel 8 uh, regarding the five-year anniversary of the murder, of her murder, so. Okay, good, good, that's all good stuff. Is he remarried or anything? He is. Okay. And do we know where the kids, were the kids ever interviewed during this time? I believe they have been. We've heard different um, stories about things that the, the kids have, have told uh, police and, and the, you know, their dad and so forth about different things. So I believe that they all were talked to it with the exception of the younger one. She was probably about what, eight, Crystal? I think she was about eight. Okay. I don't think she was, but the rest, the others were. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the best thing to do would be deep dive and go undercover, grab three or four people and go and integrate into the city. That's what I did when I went, when I worked up in Delphi, I just went up there as a plain Jane citizen and it was unbelievable how many people talked to me about that case, but had never been interviewed. Wow. Crazy. Delphi isn't very big. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's got to get talking because this is the whole thing is this, this is a, it's a hard case because it's closed, but it's not that hard. <clears throat> right. And I think, you know, the whole, and I'm not, I don't know, I'm kind of on the fence with man or woman. The more that I looked at the video, the more I kind of thought maybe it was a woman. Right. Um, but then I, I, I can't explain away the whole walking thing. And then the father-in-law's foot 
that that threw me for a loop because it was really pretty much to me looked like exactly the same kind of motion with the foot. What did you guys think? You know, initially, I think a lot of us thought that, but as time wore on, I, the father-in-law kind of seeing him at different angles and kind of studying him, he looks kind of too large. I feel like if he had all that garb on, it just wouldn't, he would be way bigger than the suspect in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Okay. He just kind of has a, not to insult him if he's listening or if anyone in his family's listening, but he's got a huge gut. And I just, you know, Renee, what do you think? We were just saying that he might just be too large with all that gear on. Oh yeah, I think he's I think he's too tall, too big. And I also think that it I think it's just in my opinion it's like a coincidence about the feet movement. Okay. I've, I've always thought that this is a woman with uh, a man's shoes or shoes that are too big for her because I've worn my husband's boots before to go out and check the mail or whatever, you know, his big work boots and um my feet tend to go out and it's harder to control them when you have on some that are too big for you. So mm -hmm. it kind of feels like that's the way it is. And there's even a part in the video when the perp is walking over to the um, the, the uh, divided door, whatever that is called, and they kind of throw their head back. Well, you can see the, the shoe kind of flop. Right, right, right. So that's why I think that. Okay. You guys are good. <laughs> Let's go down there and solve this shit. <laughs> we're ready well after five we didn't know we were signing i mean up let's go i'm ready it's, it's five years it's five years too long man yeah, yeah we we thought this would be solved in a month tops because you have this perpetrator on video for 28 minutes walking mm -hmm. around the church even though they're covered up we just really thought the way people talk in small towns that you know and having the perp on video we had no idea we were signing up to still be totally lost five years later it's really kind right. of shocking. So explain to me a little bit. There's some financial issues, and then there were some marital. Who was was it confirmed that there was an affair by her, or do we? Is that just speculation, or what's what's the word I, on that? He he. I believe that Brandon said in the beginning um, he had talked to some reporters, and he. Had and told someone that um, she had had an affair uh, prior about, I guess about a year before that. And they had worked things out and that was the end of that. Um, okay. I think the financial stuff may have been like misconstrued type thing. That That's what we were understanding. They didn't really have any financial you know, no. issues. So that's what we were told. It was kind of blown out of proportion. Have you had the best friend on the podcast yet? No, no. but I think we're gonna invite her. That would be a good idea. Absolutely. I mean, think about what your best friend knows. Right. Right. And she is very guarded about speaking publicly because she's kind of a public figure herself because she is in charge of this whole area of camp gladiator trainers. And mm -hmm. she's very much like, well, I'll tell you this, but I wouldn't say it on a podcast kind of thing. So we'll see. I mean, I would like, I would love to have her on. I agree with you, but I also know that she's careful. Well, not only, she, not she's only that, but friends. now she's, she's also good friends with the, the, she's um she's a member uh, uh she's kind of higher up in the church okay yeah, and she also is good friends with um one of the people that processed the scene from ellis county uh sheriff's office okay so she might kind of know that you're not supposed to say certain things but it would still be great to have her on it would be fun yeah and i wonder if she'd just talk to you without being on the podcast you know what i mean just so that you could get a little bit more information because yeah it, it's kind of interesting, you know, it, it would be an interesting angle. It would be an interesting view because was that class that she was teaching, was that scheduled or did she decide to do that last minute or how'd that work? No, it was regular. It was every week, same time, okay. same place. Yeah. Okay. And so um, you could have, you didn't have to be watching her right then. You could have confirmed it maybe by checking her Facebook because she would post them because she makes more money 
based on how many people attend. Sure. So it's in her best interest to make those posts public. And she did. And she says, we're going to be there. If it's raining, we'll be under the awning. Come on, we're gladiators. If it's raining, we're still training. She had all this language in there about we're going to be there regardless. Okay. And because it yeah. was down rain, you know, and this perpetrator, I know I said it on the Cheryl episode, but that perpetrator must have really, really wanted to kill Missy because it was pounding rain here in North Texas that morning. Right. Pounding rain. And then to get dressed up in all that garb, drive in the rain, whatever distance they drove, we don't know. But that's quite a production. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I definitely think, uh, you know, obviously this thing was planned. I don't, you know, to, to burglarize a church. I don't buy that. Like, I don't, right. I don't think there's, there's way other, you know, you know, better places to burglarize. Um, I just think it was completely planned and, and that was the day and coincidental, you know, two people are, are out of town and, and um, you know, and I think that, you know, it was just decided rain, shine, whatever, snow, whatever. Um, this was going to happen that night. So, right. um, but I, I think I, I really truly believe in my gut that that Nissan was involved. Um, I just okay, yeah, wait, pulled in. It's just it, like you pull in, bam, you hit the lights. Like they're just out there looking around. They're getting a feel for it, right? They're getting a feel. They know she'll be there. They're getting a feel of, of the area of how big is the building? Where's the fitness center? What door am I going into? Who's going to be able to see me go in all this stuff. He obviously didn't want to be seen around driving around the, or he wouldn't have hit his headlights because think about how hard it is to see in the rain in the dark without your headlights. Right. Right. And what's really interesting is that the Nissan Altima, we never see it go near the church. They're across the street at that um, gun store. Uh It's a very large gun store called SWFA. Mm -hmm. And what's weird about it is, I mean, I, I know this and I'm not in law enforcement, but I mean, and I'm not a criminal, but I know this, that there are gun stores are lit up with cameras. They have the best. So I'm really surprised that the perpetrator or an accomplice would pick a gun store to roll around in before right. you commit a crime. That to me is an odd choice. And then when they go to park, they park under a streetlight. Right. You, I- know what's, you know what's crazy though, is that after this happened, uh, me and my husband, <laughs> I recruited him for this. We went over there and parked in that exact same spot. And if you turned around at the time, you could see right to the church. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just doing surveillance on the church, obviously, right? Yeah, like they were probably scoping out the church. I just found that to be an odd thing to do because when you have a light shining down on your car, you usually can't see out very well, but people right. can see you. So I thought, why would you pick the most conspicuous spot in that parking lot? That is so right. But I guess we'll never understand those things. No, I don't know. You, you might. You might. You never know. It's going to take one little break, like one itty bitty break, and then it just, bam, it just is wide open. It's like the ocean coming at you. Good. That's what we're hoping for. You know, being that it's been five years, we're scared that maybe some things just got too cold, you know. Well, no, and I think, you know, especially in that, and I'm not familiar with, what town was it in? It's in Midlothian, Texas. It's uh, south of Dallas. Okay. So, I mean, I would hit the jails. I would hit the prisons. Um, I would get information out about, you know, this case. Who's got information? Because, you know, I got a ton of information, people sitting in jail going, ooh, I know about that. And I think I want to get something off my charge. Right. All, like all that stuff. People are wheeling and dealing and, and people have people on the outside and, and people are into stuff. So somebody knows something. And, and I think, you know, if they could get another big media blitz on it, maybe get, try and get Nancy Grace on this, try to get like a, a big name to, to jump on this. You'd be surprised. Um, is there, a, is there a reward? Ah, oh, funny. You would ask Renee, do you want to tell the news about the reward? Oh yeah. 
So we um, we got a uh, message from a listener about, I don't know, a while back, and uh, they wanted to uh, not only continue paying for the billboard because it was due to come down in December, but they also wanted to offer a uh, anonymous $100,000 reward in addition to the $40,000 that's being offered. And when did that come in? Um, the 100000 we found out, what is it, about four days ago? Five oh, days wow. ago, maybe? Yeah, it was very recent. That's crazy because uh, somebody just donated $100,000 to the Delphi in the last couple No, and we were kind of wondering if it's the same person. I know. It's such a coincidence. Same time frame, exactly. Same week and same dollar amount. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Uh, well, so they need to get that I think out. It got right? confirmed on Friday. Yeah. I'm sorry? They got confirmed on Friday, the day we okay. did the interview. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's all interesting stuff. So I think that, you know, if we can get... Uh, a big name to promote this, get it, get a big media blitz on it. It'd be interesting because, you know, life is quick. People are moving on and there's so much crime that happens that it's right. like you forget about that. All you got to do is turn the news on or something else happening. Yeah. You know, Nancy, Nancy covered it at the beginning. Um, but okay. I would, I would ask to see if maybe she would do it again on the five-year anniversary, you know, all that stuff and, and just see if we can get it pumped out there again. And, and people, you know, it's, it's been a crazy year and, and, you know, with COVID and everything, but the more you get it out there, it's just one person. I mean, it's just, it literally is one person calling, look, this is who did it. And then it blows up. So right. once you get that one tip, um, it'll probably be, you know, very easily solved. I wonder if they visited any of the stores to see if any cop stuff had been purchased. Um, did they go to the local hardware store? Did anybody buy a claw hammer? I mean, I wonder if right. they really dug deep into looking at that type of stuff, which I'm sure they did. I, I mean, I'm sure the yeah. police department did a fantastic job. But yeah, they, they checked the surveillance cameras all along there, like the Whataburger and whatnot, and they didn't yeah. find anything. I know they did that. Okay. Um, here's, you know, um, oh, I lost my train of thought right here on the air. Um, what was I going to say? I forgot. I'll come back to it in a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's really solvable. It's really <laughs> sad. I'm glad to hear that the family still um involved in it and yeah. you know and, and then of course you know because we can sit here and analyze all day well why do they why do they have SWAT stuff on and and why did they pick a, a a claw hammer and all that stuff and you know and the obvious is like well it's personal right this is pretty personal because you know and, and I think Cheryl mentioned that and I talked about it with the kids today I was like you know if I'm a hit man I'm just shooting you and leaving there's no I don't have any emotion this is just my job I'm gonna kill you and I'm gonna leave I mean that took a little bit of time um that scene was messy yeah. Um, so of course that's going to always, you know, pri provide some Intel and in the fact that it was probably some type of personal thing. Um, and, and, and that's where you, that's where you start, right? You, who's her closest person? Who is her close? Who is her person? Who is her person? Cause it's not her husband. It is in, in some category, but I'm talking the true, true, who is her person? And I would interview her for hours. Um, and just get, I thought, as much I, I thought of my question, um, okay. Oh, but Nancy Grace said something that you just reminded me of. She said initially when she covered this, she said, why SWAT gear? She said, police tactical gear is such a strange choice. You know, she seemed to think there was some something to be looked into there because not every, but like if I had to dress up, Renee and I have often, often said we would put on a turtleneck, maybe a ski mask or something. It would never, I would never occur to me to go put on a full-blown SWAT gear. That's strange, you know. Well, I mean, a couple things like doesn't doesn't want to be seen, right? All of it's covered, and then she's got some guns on her, right? So she starts attacking him or her. Right. He's 
he or she's protected. That's one thing. Could be somebody completely just obsessed with the police. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's gone far enough where they've looked at any other murders with a claw hammer um, or whatever, or a police impersonator. If anything like that has come up, have you guys heard anything like that? Have there been people murdered? We don't think there's anything like this that's happened no. in the area. So it's, okay. you know, it's probably just her, you know, I don't right, think people right. murders like that. Or I mean, it could be a total, it could totally be like a cop wanted because you can go buy that shit on Amazon. We can go right now and buy all that crap on Amazon. Right. That's um, true. You know. Well, I thought of my question and it was this, what, it's been five years, so it's possible that the person has maybe fled the area. Sure. Uh, what happens to the investigation if the perpetrator now lives in another town or heaven forbid, another state, you know, how do, what does that do to the investigation? Do you have to cooperate with other jurisdictions or do you send the FBI out or? Well, I mean, it kind of depends on the lead detective, right? So like it, it, when you're assigned a case, at least the way it was in Indianapolis, that is your case. That's your case your whole life. So you solve it, great. You don't solve it. It's still your case um, until you retire. And then maybe the, it'll go to a cold case um, investigator. So, I mean, it really depends on a couple things. Um, how busy you are, right? What leads. But th this is the thing that I, that I believe, and it's probably just why I'm all effed up in the head, but it just becomes a little bit of an obsession, right? Like it never let it get cold, never let it get cold. So even if you just make one phone call or you make one um, contact with her or somebody that knows her or whatever, you just go and talk to people in the town again, whatever it is you have to do, um, it's still a little bit warm, right? You got to keep the ball rolling. You got to keep it moving. So if, if the detective or, or the police department isn't even looking at it, then it, then it just stays cold. Um, if for some reason, you know, and the thing is, is did they contact Dallas? Hey, you need to be on the lookout for this. We're looking for this white Nissan. We're looking for this type of person. Let us know if you have any type of burglary of any police, um, stores, any gun stores, any of that stuff, um, just be on the lookout. So it's, it really comes down to how hard did the detective work? And it sounds like they did a lot of work, obviously, but you know, he's probably gotten three or four or five cases. I don't think there's a lot of homicides in that town though. Right. None. Absolutely. Okay. None. So, you know, it, it just, it kind of depends on you want to get this thing solved or not, or are you just moving on because it's not a lot of detectives, you know, and, and it's, 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 if there isn't a, if there isn't a fresh lead, then they just don't work it. Well, I, that's not how I, that's not how I roll. Let's make a fresh lead. Right. Cause not every single road has been, has been gone down. No freaking way. Because if it had, it'd been solved. Exactly. Right. So it just kind of depends on who, who's working it, what, what, you know, what they're doing, what other responsibilities they have, um, how important, how much pressure is the family putting on the police department? I mean, are they calling every day? Do they want justice? You know, there's video, there's, there's all these types of things. And, and when you go back and you find out, you know, that certain people haven't been interviewed, you know, I, I always go, you know, to the family, like when I show up on a scene and I'm doing the investigation, you know, right when I make notification, you know, I'm sorry, your son or daughter or whatever's been killed. I say, look, if you were me, if you were me, who would you go talk to first? Because they know, they may not know they know, but they're the ones that are going to tell you, this is the people that you need to look at. And when I start working cold cases, every time I start talking to people, they're like, well, I told the police to talk to this person and I don't think they have, right? Because they're living and breathing it every single day. The police department isn't, the, the detective isn't, he's investigating right. four or five other cases. So you kind of have to go back and do that whole thing with, if you were me, I'm just deputizing you today, where would you go? Who would you talk to right now? Right. And do it, right? You don't have anything to lose. It's not going to get any colder. 
right. there's a damn chance, good chance it could get a little warmer. Well, I have another question. Missy had received what the media and what the police told the media were creepy and strange messages on in her LinkedIn account. So these are okay. private messages in LinkedIn. And we never heard what the content was, but they only refer to them as creepy and strange from an anonymous male. So apparently it might've been the perpetrator under a fake account because sure. it was a couple days before her murder. And she showed them to a friend and said, gosh, look at this. And they said, ooh, that's creepy and weird. Who's that friend and what did the friend say it was? See, that's that's the, yeah, the police talked to her, but they didn't release anything else. So here's my question. So if I got a message that was, I don't know if it was threatening in nature or what it was, but if I got a weird message and then I turned up dead, I would hope that they could trace that message. What would prevent police from being able to trace it? Do you think that they maybe set up the account from a burner phone or something? Well, I think, yeah, like there's a couple of things because we're learning that with the Delphi too, right? Like they, they, they took, they took those phones and, 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 and did everything with Libby and Abby and, and they're still stuck, but now they've, they've got some new information about some, but some guy in China or some shit, right? So the, I mean, the FBI has a capability, but I also think too, that we may be in a day and age where we are not necessarily up to par on the bad guys. We don't necessarily have that type of technology. We may be close, um, but there's still people out there that can get into things um, eventually and then the FBI catches up. You see what I'm saying? So I'm sure yeah. that they, they were able to, and it may have just gone back to, um, you know, because I think the FBI was involved in all of this. They were at the beginning. We don't know to what extent okay. now. Well, yeah, and that's what's funny because that's how it was with, with Delphi. They were involved and then you didn't hear from them anymore. But hopefully, right. and I'm sure they did, they looked into all of that and they may have gotten into a, uh, you know, a dead end where it's like, wow, we cannot figure out. And who knows? Do the supervisor <laughs> say, you know what? We'll send it off to this person. Or we'll do that. You know, you don't know where it stopped. Right. Did they do everything possible? And every day, every single day, technology is involved is evolving right like it is right. evolving and if you think anything that you have on your phone or your email is private you are dead wrong dead right. wrong so you know there's always that chance that there's that one person that's just way above all law enforcement because we're slow at catching up on things right there's a million cases to be investigated we are slow on catching up. So it'd be interesting to see how far, where did that LinkedIn account come from? I mean, somebody like that isn't, isn't going to make it easy, right? They're not going to be like, oh, here they are, Facebook. Oh, this is where they live. And we go right. find them, right? It's not going to be that. Um, is it possible to nail them down? Yeah, but it all comes down to money and search warrants. LinkedIn would want a search warrant to figure out who that, who that person is and I, you know, and, and, and right. did all of that go through. So is it possible? It absolutely is possible. And the reason it's possible is because they're doing it. Right. 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 Do you think right. that being, do you think that being a smaller police department, a smaller jurisdiction is affecting the case because maybe the budget's smaller? Well, absolutely. Right. The, the budget is smaller. Um, it's hard to investigate cases that, you know, that you've never done. They haven't, they, they probably hadn't run across something like this. Right. Um, right. And so everything's kind of brand new and they're, and they're kind of just doing it for the first time. And, and, you know, they did a fantastic job, but there is something to be said about experience, right? Like right. there is. Um, yeah. If you don't have it, you don't have it. And it just comes back to the old thing. You don't know what you don't know, right? Um, and so, you know, and, and as far as smaller departments, I mean, a couple things. Like I have a theory, like smaller departments, <laughs> well, then you got a lot of time to try to, to try to solve this, right? Because you're not getting 
the amount of cases that a larger department would get. They're, that's one avenue to look at. The other avenue is, yeah, maybe that's they don't true. have the money to send off to figure out, you know, who the linked who the LinkedIn account belonged to or what, what, you know, or how to write a search warrant, you know, you don't know. And well, that's why it's difficult to sit and analyze what people have done. Because you right, right. Yeah, we did hear that they brought on some more experienced um, investigators from Fantastic. other areas recently. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Like in the last year and a half or so. Oh, too. good. So that's I mean, that's the thing that like, if, if like, it, it's always floored me a, a little bit when, when people reach out, like law enforcement agencies reach out and say, you know, I'll help, I'll come help you. For whatever reason, it's, it's like, no, 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 we got this, we got this. And I don't know if it's ego or whatever, but I'm like, holy shit, if I don't know, I'm bringing in everybody and their brother. I'll bring right. civilians, come look at this shit, because I'm not seeing something. Right. right. So it, it's it's one of those weird things with law enforcement. We've reached out to Delphi several times, said, I'll come up and look at it for free. I'll come up. I'll come up. Nope. Interesting. No, no response. So, you know, it's an ego thing. It's, you know, it, it's a lot of different things. But you would think as law enforcement, it, you know, if you don't care who gets the credit, then let everybody help. Right. Exactly. I have a question. Um, I have a question regarding you. Had, you had mentioned earlier about the car that's circling SWFA. Mm -hmm. I, I've always uh, leaned more towards it being involved as well, but I'm kind of curious um, how often. I mean, I noticed that you had solved um, over, or you had investigated over 700 cases. How often have you seen there being crimes like this where there's more than one perpetrator? Um, you would think. You know, well, th this is the thing. Most of the homicides, most homicides occur really quickly. They're not, they're not planned out. The, the majority of them happened really, really quickly. It wasn't like, you know, it was anger. It was, oh, I had a gun. Easy, easy, accessible to do it, whatever. So very rarely are they planned out. When you've got something planned out like this, which I feel like to a degree this was planned out, um, that was there somebody else? Probably, probably. Did they go into the church? Well, I don't think so. We've seen them on video. There was one person. Was there somebody waiting in a car? Possibly. I mean, you can't rule it out. That's the whole thing. You know, you absolutely a possibility, right? Because we don't know any different. Right. You know, yeah. absolutely. And so the majority right. of the cases, um, you know, if, if they happen so quickly, the planned out cases, yeah, you're going to have, a, you, you could have another person, but with that, and I hope that there's another person, because if there's another person, then there's another chance that you can solve it because maybe yeah. that person will get arrested, you know, and they're sitting in the interview with the right. detective getting ready to go down for something. He goes, mm, you think maybe we can make a little deal here? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. So I'm hoping. I loved it when I had two or three people involved. I loved it because I just had them. Everybody flipped on everybody. Yeah. They got arrested. That's true. So, you know, yeah, I mean, is it possible? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's probably more possible than not, but you know, I don't have the case file in front of me. So it just makes it so difficult. Right. And they've been so tight-lipped. It's not like we could have really known any more than we do. Right, right. Um, you know, without being on the inside. Right. Um, you know, and you, and I, I think as an investigator, you know, the longer it goes, I think I feel like the more information you kind of need to leak. Like, you know, as investigators, we'll keep things close to the vest that we know that only the, the killer would know. Like that's all smart. But right. when it gets to be cold like this, I don't think that there's any harm to the investigation to kind of maybe like leak a little bit more, like maybe do a big press conference. We're five years into this. Hey, yes. you know, we're going to release this. We're going to release this because mm -hmm. all that's going to happen is you're going to get more tips. 
Yes, that's we've been saying that for a while now, and I, it blows our mind that they haven't spoke since 2019. And it's like we just want to go, you know. I know, I know, we're just you know two two women who have a podcast, but we want to go. Hello, can y'all like just give a little something? Because I remember um, in the Delphi case when uh, Doug Carter, when he was speaking to the killer, and then they let out one more bit of information. I think they got a whole ton of tips after that. Yeah. Remember whenever they let that little yeah. bit of information out? I thought that was, I, I really thought that was good. And I think it's important to do that. Well, it's either that either they're really, really close or they're really, really far. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're close to making an arrest and they have a good idea or they're not. And, I, you know, who knows? We, we don't know. But I think, you know, like I said, I don't think it would hurt the investigation uh, to give a little bit more of information, like, mm -hmm. you know, how, it, 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 and, and the thing is, is, you can give out information and it doesn't necessarily, it won't necessarily hurt the uh, investigation. It, it, I would say if I were to do a news conference and it, this was my case, I would give out information that was emotional, right? Because I want people to start getting reattached to this. Right. right? Exactly. Maybe talk a little bit about the crime scene or, you know, how horrible it would be to get beaten with a, a crow, you know, um, mm -hmm. a claw hammer. Right. I would I would deep into the get into the emotions of the viewers and say, you know, get them get them, you know, back into it, get them feeling about it. And I don't know that that would necessarily hurt the investigation. Well, and there's apparently a lot more video that hasn't been released. It seems oh, like could, sure it seems like they could do like maybe another few seconds at least. Well, what's the what, what where's the video when he's leaving? Right. They did say in the initial press conference that they do have video of the perp after the murder going down the hall, presumably to leave. Okay. That's the way they worded it, but we've never. And the thing is this, is that if you gave a couple seconds and, and, and did a big, big uh, media blitz and gave a, and you said, this is him leaving after he murdered her. That yeah. was that emotional. That's like, oh shit, there he's walking out the door. You know what I mean? Because yes. the video that they have, okay. It's, you know, there's no audio. He's, it's, it's very calm, just kind of going through, checking doors, blah, blah, blah. There's not a lot of, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't stimulate a lot of emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're just seeing that. Mm -hmm. You hear about, you see, if you saw that, you heard about how horrible this murder was and then you see him leaving, oh shit, mm -hmm. right? And I bet the perp might've been walking a little more briskly and be different than the wandering about that they were doing before. Sure, right. So that might be yeah. interesting to see as well. So that's a good, you know, a, an angle that they could go. I mean, it's just, you know, everyone's got an opinion and, and what they should do, so. Um, you know, but I, that's, that's the road I would go down. Well, awesome. We are so happy that you came on. Thank you so much, Christine. Oh, absolutely. Did you have anything you wanted to share with us before you go? You got anything coming up that you'd like to talk uh, about? You know what? We'll be at CrimeCon. Cheryl and I will be Ooh. at CrimeCon. Um, we awesome. will have, we love to have you guys. Uh, we're doing, did she talk to you about our podcast? We're getting ready to launch a oh. podcast called Choir Practice. I saw something about that online. That's awesome. We'll be listening. So do you know what Choir Practice is? No. Okay. So choir practice is, and this is old school. Okay. But you get done with your shift and uh, it's usually late shift people, but it could be any shift and somebody somewhere might have a pack of beer or some vodka, tequila, whatever in their trunk. And when we go off duty, we meet up somewhere and we drink a lot and we talk about what the shit that we saw, you know, or what we dealt with during our shift, we call it choir practice. And so we're, we're starting to love that and we've had fascinating um, guests on there, people, officers that have been shot and survived. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about the time I, I showed up on a run and a woman was literally on fire 
Um, and I was a baby, I was a rookie. Uh, um, and I just remember driving home, you know, thinking to myself, I'm really glad that I'm single uh, because when I got home, no one was going to ask me how my night went because I didn't know how it went. You know what I mean? Yes. And so it's all this talking and interviewing cops yeah. around the country about the things that they've seen and the thing and the and the fun shit that happens. I mean, it, it's unbelievable what people call the police for, um, and it's unbelievable the shit that we get into, and then we just go home and you know live our life and whatever. So um, we're gonna be dropping that probably in May. So oh, I can't wait. That'll be so much. Fun. I watched your TED talk and I heard the on fire story. It's just yeah, it's crazy. I heard it too. That was great. And, yeah. and it's so um, it's so it was good to hear. You know, a lot of people need to hear that. That the police have feelings too you guys go through a lot oh no we're all jacked up in the head don't get me wrong no but I mean, that's, <laughs> it's it's just an incredibly just I can't even imagine all the highs and lows you go through just in one shift pretty incredible yeah, it's I, I tell you but it's a lot of fun I have no regrets 25 years it's been it's been a fun fun ride but yeah it, it's fun because you can just be sitting there eating subway and then bam you're in a pursuit right, you know? right. That it's fun yeah that's, that's a lot of fun I hope we get to go to CrimeCon. That would really be great. San Antonio, it's the first weekend in June. My suggestion, and you guys should get on Podcast Row. So they have what's called Podcast Row, where a lot of the top podcasts are there and they're featured and their fans can come up and talk to you and and you're you're seeing other podcasts. But um, I know that right now there's a waiting list for the tickets, but get on that waiting list. Yeah, we will. Because it's a a ton of fun. And, And like I said, it's just... A bunch of women because that's the ones that listen to these podcasts and the ones that watch these tv shows <laughs> the best investigators in the world i'm telling you and i wouldn't take cops i'd take freaking people like you guys like let's go solve this shit um mm-hmm. but it's a big weekend and, and a lot of people are profiled and a lot of cases are profiled and it's just a, a shitload of fun that sounds great yeah, we're going to have to do that for sure right when we get off here. <laughs> yeah, it's in Austin. It's in Austin. The first crime con was in Indianapolis, um, where I'm from. And so, and then the next one was in Nashville. And then the, and then the one last year, a couple of years ago, was in New Orleans. And that wasn't fun at all. And then uh, now it's <laughs> right. in Austin, right? Hey, have you ever heard of Shoals, Indiana? What? Shoals, S-H-O-A-L-S, tiny, Who tiny town. It's an hour and a half away from you. It's toward Kentucky side. That's where my dad's from. I thought it was worth a shot. Wow. It's, it's an hour and a half away from, from Indy. 65, 74. What would I, how do you want to get there? Uh, oh, that's over my head. I don't know. Okay. I was raised here. So. And where you guys are in Texas? Yeah, we're in the Dallas area. Actually, Renee's right in the middle of where this uh, occurred. She's down there in Ellis County where the murder happened. And well, I'm go down there and solve this shit. What are you doing? <laughs> and oh, I've been out there. Go down there. You have no idea how many times I've been over there. <laughs> Look, no, so we'll grab, Cheryl and I will come down for a weekend. We love this shit. Oh, oh my God. God. That, would that, would be, that would be so much fun. I mean, you would laugh yeah. a couple times for sure. Cheryl's hysterical. Yes, hey, that would um, be so fun. Well, let's it, go. It, it's fun we should do that absolutely yeah well, absolutely that would be great thank, we cannot thank you enough for spending your evening with us thank you yeah and, i'm up late i gotta go to bed i know we you really gotta go to bed it. it's, it's even later there than it is here so have a great evening and thank you again absolutely and, guys talk to you soon all right all right thank you thank you
took the cash. How could you fast? You at a guess. Money net status in my crew. Everywhere we go, we dripping like we fools. Everywhere we go, we dripping till we cool. Dripping in the summer shade. Bleepo do not know shade. Margella on my shoes. Mason Margella and I walk around like shoes. Yeah.